Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your hosts, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Hey, Inside the Firm listeners. Uh, This episode is a little bit different than our typical episodes. Uh, Alex and I actually were so busy uh, last Friday with the development that we just we could not pull ourselves off of the job site. Um, it was just uh, one fire after another, trying to meet building inspectors, etc. So we just never made it into the office to actually go inside the firm. Uh, but luckily, one of my friends was in town, and he is an experienced. Uh, it was a former salesman, and at dinner the night before, he had started telling my uh, my wife and I, and and his wife too, um, some really incredible stories about sales. Um, both ethical and unethical, but I think there's something to be learned uh, from him in his story. So, uh, so I, I did an impromptu um, episode with uh, TJ yesterday. Uh, it was a Sunday afternoon, right before we we had dinner. Um, it was really, really interesting to hear from a an insider, sort of Wolf of Wall Street style, ruthless salesman. And I think what we can all learn from it is um, is how to be confident. So that's one of the biggest things to take away from it. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, but before we get into it, do you know we still have one week left of summer? That's right. The weather's still beautiful. The pool is still open and the grill can still be on. It's summer, at least for a little bit. And the last thing you want to do is spend a long day in the office wrestling with broken files and archaic websites. ArcCat can help you save time by putting all the building products you need into one powerful search engine, ArcCat.com isn't just a list of products. However, they also host the product's technical data like BIM and CAD files for you to download and use in your project. To top it off, it's free to use as much as you want. You don't even need to register. So stop watching the sun go down in the office trying to find the right information. Build better content today with ArcCat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com. ArcCat.com. So you listen to me and you listen well. Are you behind on your credit card bills? Good. Pick up the phone and start dialing. Is your landlord ready to evict you? Good. Pick up the phone and start dialing. Does your girlfriend think you're a fucking worthless loser? Good. Pick up the phone and start dialing. I want you to deal with your problems by becoming rich. All you have to do today is pick up that phone and speak the words that I have taught you. And I will make you richer than the most powerful CEO in the United States of fucking America. I want you to go out there and I want you to ram Steve Madden's stock down your clients' throats till they fucking choke on it. Till they choke on it and they buy 100,000 shares. That's what I want you to do. You'd be ferocious. You'd be relentless. You'd be telephone fucking terrorist. Now let's knock this motherfucker out of the park. So TJ, that was a reenactment, right? Yeah, it was a little close to home. A little close to home. 
Tell us about that. So I have my friend TJ on the podcast today. Welcome to Inside the Firm. Um, I, I thought we we actually missed um, doing the Friday podcast with Al and I because we were both on the job site, uh, but I had a friend in town and we got into a really in- interesting conversation yesterday after a hike about your your uh, experience in sales and how close it was um, to stuff like that that we just listened to. So tell me tell me about that. Tell, yeah, me, tell so, me about like how realistic that is with uh, people, for, people that are doing sales. Well, for those people that are maybe new to sales or just thinking about dipping their toes in, that is absolutely some of the things that you have to be watching out for. Uh, when we watch Wolf of Wall Street, I can tell you right now, when that movie came out, I was actually at this company at the time, and it was mandatory that we watch that. And not only that, but we used to watch in the office, and they would make you. They would make us reenact the, the chest bumping, the whole nine yards. And uh, yeah, it was, it was very... Uh, to, to say it was high pressure sales would be putting it very lightly, I would say. Door to door sales, things like that. Um, I will say, though, before we go too much into it, the odd contradiction between that and the job that I had was they pushed it a lot. You know, you didn't really care about customers. It was very obvious due to the rhetoric, but they would always push that they did care. They, they would pretend like they cared, but their rhetoric very, very much spoke the opposite. So, for example, in Wolf of Wall Street, when you see uh, Matthew McConaughey, and he's saying, you know, I'll fuck the client, or I don't know if I can swear. Yeah, you can swear. Okay. Uh, and he says, you know, fuck the client. It's all about putting their money into your pocket. That is one thing you would have never caught them saying in the office. It was always to remain this persona of we're doing God's work, le- legitimately. We were doing God's work. We were serving. We weren't selling. But then when you went to a sales meeting, we were standing at chairs. We'd be yelling about it. We'd be talking about how we need to cram certain policies down customers' throats, how if they don't want to buy, it's because they're just too dumb to know what they need. That was a big thing. Well, hey, man, we can't force them to be smart, but we sure can push it a little bit. And that's why it's good to push. You need to push because we're actually doing these people a favor by making them smarter by getting these policies. So it was it was unethical to tell, say that. Tell least. us about how, how did you get into it? How did you fall into like a sales position like that? I mean, it was that wasn't something you were... You didn't you didn't graduate high school and come to the conclusion of oh I'm gonna go on, I'm gonna go into sales. No, this I was never I never had an aversion to sales. So a lot how, of people and, and and when you talk about it too, like how do how do other people like you get pulled into that? A lot of people get pulled in because of the money. I'll be honest. Um, one of the things that we had to do when I became a sales manager there was they straight up told me they pulled me in the office. They said, listen, man, your car is just straight up not nice enough. You got to go. You know, go look at a BMW. Go look at a Mercedes. All the managers were told, hey, if you have to stretch your budget a little thin. You know, it'll bring more people and they'll stick around longer thinking that they can make the kind of money that you, quote unquote, are making. Even if you were underwater, on, you know, behind the scenes, you were never to tell somebody that. But yeah, a lot of people just, uh, we'd, we'd coax them in by telling them all sorts of crap. Um, I mean, we, we would lie to them and then um, they'd come in, they'd see the meeting, they'd see the, the legitimately the one guy, we'd have a guy come in who had a $40,000 gold watch, just like in the movie. And uh, he'd be like, listen, if you want this, it's, it's as easy as... He, they'd bring testimonies in. They'd bring people like me in and say, hey, how long have you been working here? And oh, I've only been here 13 months. Oh, what kind of car do you have out there? And I, oh, yeah, I got a brand new car out there. It's, it's just that easy. You just got to follow the script. Everything was the script. And people would just... You know, it's, you get this feeling in your gut where you know it's almost too good to be true. And it turns out that is true. But it's very hard to just kind of turn away from what your eyes are seeing. You're seeing people come in. We'd bring people in for our weekly meetings where we'd hand out bonus checks. And of course, they'd be inflated. But people can't turn away. They're going, man, I, I can't risk turning away this kind of money just because I'm scared or because of whatever. And we make it seem so easy. I mean, these guys are, the guys that are up top, they are the, the salesmen of salesmen. How do you I mean, think they, they got to that point? I mean, do you think that was an organic way that they, so, no. I mean, you watch these characters like Wolf of Wall Street and it, it's iconic now. That scene is, that a city is iconic of Americana and capitalism. I mean, that's what people want to treat it as, right? It's like, oh, look at these big bad capitalists out here just just raping people for money and stuff like that but how do you think they got to that point a lot of them 
just kind of got, I mean, a lot of people, as you know, when it comes to money, man, people sell their soul. Um, but when it comes to the higher ups, though, so one of the things they'd always tell you when you came in, everyone, we would tell you, oh, it's not a sales position, right? And people, oh, oh they get, would literally say it. Oh, they would legitimately tell you on the phone when we were recruiting people and, and we'd call, we'd cold call resumes, had no idea who these people were. Oh, hey man, we saw your resume. Come on in. We, we have a job for you. Tell, talk about how you cold called, how they would just hand you a book, right? I mean, yeah. So, the- um, on a good day, you'd get a list from like indeed.com or monster.com, whatever you can purchase leads from them and you'd have their name and number. That's about all the information you have. You'd have a name, you'd have a phone number and you'd know that they had a resume on there and it was your job to just say, Hey. I caught your resume on here. I, you seem like a good fit, and you just talk people into it. 99 times out of 100, someone would ask. They'd say, this isn't a sales job, is it? Because I'm not really interested in that. And, I, and your response was legitimately to respond, no. We have administrative positions and open. And that was all scripted. Yeah, oh, yeah. We had scripts for everything. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, and it was, you know, we'd get them in the door, and then people would see what's, what was going on. And it was just people hard to, you know, when you, when you walk in, you pull into a parking lot, and let's say you're making 10 bucks an hour right now, and, you, and you're okay with a sales job. A lot of people were okay with it, but they're like, eh, I'd prefer not to, right? And by the time you invest in it, you come down here, you take a day off work, you see all this stuff, and then you get a job offer and they say, hey man, you can make this money. It's hard to turn around and just be like, well, I don't want to even take a shot. Like a lot of people, they walk outside and they say, hey, look, there's a Rolls Royce. We'd have a couple Ferraris in the lot, Rolls Royces, everything. And people are telling you, hey man, you can make that kind of money within two years. Within two years. It's exactly like uh, if you've ever watched Boiler Room, you see Ben Affleck sitting there, you will make your first million within a couple of years. They would straight up tell you that. As long as you follow the script, here's a script, memorize it. We're going to quit. I mean, they would literally test you on it to get, to get your, your final, your first. Would you pack. do mock? Would you do mock sales? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We'd pretend we'd have a sales manager come in and he would pretend to like refuse delivery at the door as you're, you know, like we pretend you're cold, you're cold calling someone or you're just going door to door and we'd have someone try to refuse, you know, refuse delivery is what we called it. And, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd be sitting there and they'd quiz you on, you'd have 10 different rebuttals for what, you know, oh, I can't rent. Oh, my wife's not home. Oh, I can't do this. Or I got to think about, it, or I can't afford it. And you'd be in front of everyone. I mean, there'd be a room of 50 other salesmen and they'd call you up one at a time and they would just, if you didn't know it, man, we'd, it was like Wolf of Wall Street. People would throw shit at you and everything. Like, <laughs> they'd be like, you suck, man. What the hell? And like, you, you were just shamed. And I mean, when you showed up to the office, you were afraid to not know that, that rebuttal. I mean, you better know it otherwise because you'd get called out and it's, it's just the way it is. But I mean, the, the higher ups that got into it, they were the ones that were good salesmen. So a lot of times they'll tell you, Hey man, I know that you came in here. You weren't really looking for a sales job, but you don't need to be a salesman. They'll put your arm around you. You don't need to be a salesman. You just need to read the script. Can you read? Of course you can. Okay. So what's the problem? You're not selling anything. You're serving anyways. So what's the deal? Oh, that, that was the twist. And so they, and you're not so, selling anything. But you're they serving. would tell you if you're good. And I will say that you can make a lot of money at jobs like this, but the good the people who make the money, they are good salesmen. That's why the guys who make it higher up, they are very good salesmen and they just get a, an inflow. I mean, there's an endless supply of resumes online that people want money. No one, no one doesn't want to make money. So, I mean, they just keep calling people. And if you, if you fall off, good for them. If you come in and you make money for three months and then you fall off your residuals that, that you would have gotten, just go to the higher ups anyway. So they, they'd almost prefer you stay, you know, walk out the door eventually. If you could stay in for... Because it transfers to them. Yeah. Preferably, it would be if you stay in for a year right before you start to get your residuals and then you leave, that's the best scenario. Because then you build up the most business on your books and then you basically just hand it off to to your superior and leave. And they get to maintain it. Walk us through... Uh, so let, let's say you're doing a door-to-door. Mm-hmm. Okay. Door-to-door salesman comes up to you and and, and I, you come up to me and I say, I'm sorry, like my, my wife's not home. Like, walk us through... Give us... Give me a, like an example of how if you going back and forth, like maybe one of your toughest sales. That you so ever had to some do. of my toughest sales. So I could tell you, um, refusing at the door is very hard. That was one of the things where it was H- hard to break through it. Yeah, it was very hard to break through. They would tell you things to be very aggressive. I mean, literally if someone opened the door, as soon as they opened the door, they told you, put your foot in the doorway, 
put your foot in the doorway. It's it gives you a presence. You indicate you got to keep control in the house. So they do like little things. Like once you get in the house, like one of the things they would tell you to do is like ask for a glass of water, ask to use their bathroom. As you walk down the bath, walk down the hallway to the bathroom, look at pictures on the wall. Try Ooh. to find a way to to build a connection with them. Oh, I see here that you have a nice boat. That looks great. You know, I like to go. Do you sail? You build that rapport. You get people to put their guard down. You know, you get someone used to you. The, the one thing they used to say is you don't want the first thing you ask someone to give you to be your checkbook. So ask them for a glass of water. Ask them for something. It doesn't matter what it is. Ask them to see pictures of their kids. Who gives a shit? Just don't be the first thing you ask them. Did they ever say anything like don't refuse if they offer you like a, like a cup of coffee or water or anything like that? Did they ever say anything like that? You could, yeah. If um, if so, hey, man, you want a glass of water? You could say, oh, do you actually have like, um, I don't really, you know, do you have co- coffee instead? Like just kind of something to maintain maintain control. Oh, you would still be right. To yeah. So, you, so the main you, thing, even that tweak. Yeah. It was always helpful. something to keep control, to keep them doing what you want, not you. Like it's just, and they did say, you know, there's, there's psychology behind that apparently. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I'm not a psychologist. No, no, no. I'm, but, and I'll, I'll tell you, keep going because I'll yeah. tell you why I'm asking this at the end, because I think there's a, there's a, there's a distinct difference between the way an architect goes out and sells. Um, and that is like, we're not, we're not initiating the knock that they've come to us first mm-hmm. and we're going in the house. But the sequence of going through the house and finding a connection like that is really fascinating to me because that's one of the tactics that tactics that I try to do every single time. And that's, well, that's a good point. I want to, I want to make this clear that not everything that this job did was unethical. There is a, there is a thing. That, I mean, when you're serving someone, when you're genuine, like an architect, you want to fill their needs. You need to know what those needs are. And getting people to talk to you and people, they, we always used to say that no matter what, if you can just keep someone talking, eventually they will tell you what they want. It's just a matter of listening. So, we, you know, it wasn't like a, you're going in the house and it's like, oh, screw what they want. Like, we'll just do it. Like, no, you wanted people to talk because eventually they'll tell you what they're going to buy. They'll tell you exactly what they're looking for. And it was just a matter of changing what we were selling to fit that need. Sure. You know, I could, you could sell it as something like, oh, hey, um, it's, this is a guaranteed income. This is something to cover hospital bills this is something to cover your mortgage in case someone dies i mean no matter what they were talking about if they were if they said oh yeah i got i got stuff through work you know it's fine but we just they start talking about how oh this house is so beautiful and we just built it yeah man we're we're struggling hey sounds like you need a mortgage security you know someone dies this is this is specifically and you would just cater your message to them and they'll tell you what they need but yeah that was that was a big thing was always finding something finding a way to connect to them and that's, well i think it's brilliant I, and exactly so that's one thing i want to point out too is he, even though even though we're going to talk about and we are right now talking about some pretty pretty um not negligent just uh, some negative aspects of like selling some like very unethical this, right? things yeah you some, into, some unethical yes. stuff there's always good with the bad right i mean nothing is perfect so i think that's why i wanted to have you on today because i, I guarantee there's some kind of overlap to where to where to where we you know somebody somebody listening to this could pull pull that out and use that for themselves yeah and that's exactly one of them is that you know looking at the pictures on the walls trying to have some kind of personal connection with them i've used that what i call it as being a chameleon so we literally used to use that exact term (laughs) yes that is the exact term we'd use a sales chameleon exactly where you need to be like and i've said it before too is so what's interesting about colorado and where where we operate and we do most of our sales is that we we can go from um, Boulder, which is very, very progressive, and people, people, one of the, one of the biggest things they care about if they're going to build or remodel is are we being environmentally conscious, right? And then they also are they care a lot about every little meticulous detail. That that kind of client takes a whole different kind of different chameleon to do. If I go east of I twenty five, then I'm dealing with a much more conservative, literally a redneck crowd, and that's a different kind of a chameleon that I need to be for that. And I've swam in both of those kind of oceans. And I think that's an asset. Like if you're trying to do what we're trying to do, which is a volume-based business and doing, doing volume sales, 
of service, then you got to be a chameleon. Yeah, and that's a that that's not a trait of a bad salesman. That's actually a trait of a good salesman. Yeah. That's not a negative trait to have. So, for example, with us, you know, if you needed to be able to go into a house that was, you know, Section Eight housing, which was you know uh, government funded housing, a lot of a lot of poor neighborhoods, and you need to be able to sell to them. And if they threw you on a road trip and you went to a either we'd go to farms, rural areas, or we'd go to very high class areas, very rich neighborhoods, you needed to be able to to fit the fit what they need to to connect to them. You need to be able to connect regardless. And that's not necessarily, you know, there are good aspects of, of salesmen and that was one of them. You know, in, in order to fill someone's needs, even if you are being a, just genuinely trying to sell them something you believe in that you think is going to help them, you need to be able to connect to them. You need to know that, hey, this is, this is going to be able to fill your needs. And that was a big thing with sales is a lot of people, I don't know, they get nervous. When you're, your first sale is always the most nerve wracking because you think that someone's going to see through you. you. You think that they're going to, oh my God, this guy's just trying to sell me because you don't yet believe in what you're selling either. And that's, you know, everyone knows that the baits of Talk sales about that. Is, Talk about that a little bit more. Yeah. Like, how did that company, that how, how, how do companies like the company you're describing, or your, your focus is purely on the sales of products, right? Yeah, 100% where, commission. Yeah, exactly. Whereas an architect, um, it, you're, you're, you're selling a service, maybe a product if you're, if you're, if you're kind of a builder too, but like how, how did they foster that kind of confidence? That's the other big thing I wanted to talk about is today is like, when you described your stories, I was like, wow, first of all, you guys don't take no for an answer. I'm not sure that's the right thing for a service-based person, but the, the fact that you had the confidence behind you to not take no is something the, to be, the like, biggest thing unpeeled. they did was you would, oh, you would spend weeks. I mean, sometimes months in the time where you're getting your, your license, you know, because it, you, it takes time, you would be shadowing people and they would purposely take, there were certain people that, you know, were just ballsy in houses and they would be with people like that. That's all they did. They, they just took people out. What and does that shadow person do? Because that's one thing we've talked about is, so right now, Alex and I do all the sales, okay. but I would love, we're all about giving ownership to people. If you want to take that responsibility and ownership, great. I will not only reward you financially, but I will reward you with just the confidence of being able to have that kind of responsibility. Keep moving up. Sure. If you want to be a partner later, fine. That's good. That's good for everybody. How do you, what do they do? How did, how did that mentorship happen? So, um, I get, what, what do you mean exactly? How did it happen? Like what, the and people I mean, that would take people out? Yeah, well, I mean, they would get I kickbacks from upper management. Like if you if you got them to, to show them a sale, you'd get big kickbacks from people that like the higher ups would just want you to stay in that position instead of moving up. A lot of times, if people had a na- there's some people that just have a, na- a knack for selling. Yeah, other people, it's it's hard, but they can do it. You know, it's they have to change their they have to focus on it and do certain things that are maybe against their personality naturally. Totally. Um, but some people are just naturals, and when we get someone like that, but if that you were shadowing, that, I mean specifically, like were you taking notes the whole time? How did that? No, work? I would just like, be watching. I would just I would be sitting there, and they'd say, "Hey, this is my this is my trainee. He's just going to watch what goes on." And then, but you would announce that at least. Oh yeah, like, we would tell them. We would tell them I was sitting in the house, and we'd say something like, uh, "I tell." You, hey, you, were, you ever, get, were you ever were you ever afraid that that would kill your sale? No, because you would never kill the sale. No, no. A lot of times it made you more confident as the person. So I, I was one of the like people that would mentor sh- people. Putting on a show then. Yeah. You almost want to kind of sh- uh, showboat a little bit and like see how push the limits of how far you can get away with in, in, in someone else's home and mm-hmm. what you can say. Um, and yeah, you you know, I would sit there with a trainee or someone else would sit there with a trainee, let's just say. And um, hey, can you go get me a glass of water real quick while I'm loading it while my laptop's loading? And I would look over at my memory and be like, watch what I'm going to do here. Oh my God. So this is, this is what we do. <laughs> this is great. And we, and we, We'd push it, you know, we'd come back. And I told you, you know, last night when we were discussing that some of the things that, I mean, we, we would get to the point where, so I actually had a, um, a friend that I got in when, when he saw the kind of money I was making, then he was like, Hey, I want to do this with you. I said, okay. So, um, he came in and he tried one of those methods that I taught him and it ended up getting him 
Like, I mean, this dude was like threatening to pull a gun on him. He was like, get the hell out of my house right now. Like, how dare you talk to me like that? I mean, it's, wow. it's all in the delivery and things like that. And, sometimes and it, it's, it's just, just sort of like, yeah, like on the spot feeling that personality yeah. out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he called me up the one time and he was like, dude, I just, this guy tried to fight me in his house. I don't know what to do. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's like, I said what you told me to say. And I was like, okay. And he was like, it didn't work. He, he got pissed. And I was like, oh man. I was like, so we, you know, that following week we sat down with all the salespeople and we said, Hey, tell us what happened. And then we would tell all the newbies, listen, this is how, and we, it sounds shitty, but we'd make an example of him and be like, listen, show us how you did it. And he'd show us and we would just nitpick the hell out of him and be like, well, you didn't sell it right. This was on you. Like the, the script works. Watch how this guy does it. And we'd bring in the best salesman. And, and you, he'd say the same line, totally different. And you'd get totally different reactions. You'd be like, this, you just have to, it's all on how you sell it. Yeah. Had you ever been in, a, in a, an environment like that where you were so highly critiqued before this? Not before this, no. Yeah. No. I would say not since that, what actually. Do you think? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it seems super unique. There's only, and again, I'm trying to draw a parallel here, but like the only way I can see that the, the the only the only other first time I've ever been in that situation is is when in architecture school you get critiqued on your work sure, in front sure, of a crowd yeah. and it's really rough but man does it make you better so I it mean, does it, it just it, it, really, it pushes you your your own your own need to to not fail in front of all these people your peers really really pushes you people don't understand that but yeah uh, I mean like they say in the Wolf of Wall Street I mean it, it was what is he called a wolf's pit or something or yeah. wolf's den they loved wolf's that den. they wanted it to be like that they hey if you if you got thin skin and you don't think it's for you, there's the door. See ya. And then as soon as you left, they'd be like, look at that loser. Yeah. Let's go see where, if he's going to be pumping gas in three months and let's yeah. go mess with him. Like it was just, it was ruthless. Yeah. We have, we have your wife sitting here too and she's just hanging out look, watching her phone. Um, but I, what, what I want, one thing I wanted to tell you to tell us about is at the time you brought her in for your award oh, okay. and, and that experience, because um, I was just like, this is such a good story. Yeah. So, so, um, when I came in, um, I ended up it was technically one of our sales records. I, I broke the sales record within 90 days and they always, anytime they do that, they make a big show of it. So they got a big plaque. They told me, they said, bring you, bring your wife in. Um, I don't think we weren't married at the time and they, they are always, they're always hundred percent. They're like, if your family's not on board, it's going to kill your motivation. You got to get them on board. Otherwise it's going to make it that much harder. You can't hear a bunch of no's at work and then come home and have your significant other ragging on you. So they had me bring her in and I thought she was going to love it. I was like, oh man, because you know, I'm, I'm 100% sold at this point. I was a young kid. I was money hungry. I was like, you're going to love this. Come on in. It'll be sweet. You're going to be proud of me. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm, you're, watch, see how everyone's going to be clapping for me and they're going to tell how, you, yeah. how awesome I was. Yeah. And the, the CEO of the company came out and gave a speech about how I was going to be the best, the next big guy. And, and um, yeah, it, it didn't go that way. <laughs> it did not, she was not impressed. So I don't know if she wants to tell you a couple words. Yeah. So what happened? So when you describe just like the environment that you walked into and what you saw. Um, I mean, he kind of pushed me together, gave me the guilt trip. I was against it initially because I was like, you're just getting a promotion. Like, this isn't a normal thing that I come to a ceremony for you for this. But I was like, you know, whatever. It's not worth the argument. I'll just come or to your meeting. But so walked in there and like he sets me down to sit somewhere and he's like, okay, I got to go do something. I'll be back real quick. And then like they're doing like a pre warm up or whatever they're like where they're like pumping you up how many and people like, how many people 100 50 yeah i mean there were some people standing in the back like people's families classic yeah. classic office kind of space with just like a drop sealed tiling yeah I mean, look like wolf of wall street type of stuff you know oh okay um but yeah like they're like pumping up the crowd or whatever and this techno yeah, music like, playing what were they saying just yelling Oh, God, I don't really. Yeah, just cheering and hollering, just like 
chanting or whatever and this guy just like jumps up on his chair next to me with all these other people jumping up on chairs and they're like waving their arms like they're a bunch of animals and he's like motioning for me to like jump up on the chair and join him and just looking at him like why (laughs) what what are you doing i was like this is not the environment i wanted please get me out of here so i was i left in the middle of that because i was like this is a bunch of bullshit this is not my scene i'm over it so it was just the most absurd environment i've ever witnessed as like for an employment or whatever and then and then tj you went you went and got your award still right yeah, no, I, I um, <laughs> she waited until I got my award to leave. She okay. she just said she was like, I got to go to work because it was early in the morning. So yeah. she wasn't going to take off work for it. But yeah, um, she waited till I got the award and then they have like a big thing about it. And she was like, I, I got to go. And I was like, OK, fine. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's they, they really want your significant others on, on board. I mean, they used to bring us to bars and they would. Uh, I mean, I told you last night how, you know, my one sales manager was. T- trying to, he was trying to sell her on how good of a salesman he was, and he was just trying to sell her sell shots her shot. at the bar. <laughs> yeah, I mean it was, I mean it was literally always be closing. That's what they said. Oh, ABCs. ABCs. Doesn't matter if we were at a bar, if we were at a fast food place in between sales, and someone said something that we overheard. Oh, hey, are you interested in this? And we and we would we would just blow off our next appointment and just sit down and talk to them if we thought we could make a buck. I mean, it was just that's how it was. You had to always be closing. How about the, so? Back to the confidence part, yeah. right? So you weren't. You weren't. You weren't. You didn't even. You weren't even thinking about doing sales ever, right? A lot of people that you cold call are not. Don't want to do sales, right? But so, like, how do they? How do they just bring? I mean, it's sort of this this idea where you said, "Oh, you're not going to be a salesman. You just have to. You have to have to read this script. You just have so, to know the rebuttal." But how do they keep building that confidence up? Because I feel like there's a lot of, like, how many times can you hear no before you're just like, "I quit." So the two. The thing is that it sounds crappy to say the script did work. You didn't hear that many no's. I mean, it's it really was very. It was a very. I mean, these were some of the best salesmen in the world. That, that could, these dudes could sell anything. But the thing was, so the two things they did. Did they recommend any books for anybody? Oh yeah, read? they used to give us books. I still have some of them. They, yeah. yeah. Can you name any of them? Off um, no. So the one was the Energy Bus. They read that. Um, the Energy Bus. The Energy Bus. Yeah, it was about all about positive energy. Thinking that even when you hear no's, even bad things happen in life, you can choose to stay on a good energy path or a bad energy path. It was a good book, um, and I still a lot of the stuff I take. I, I do as much as I hated this job. That's and what I'm, I'm saying. Glad I got out of it. I, unethical, mindset, unethical products aside, right? Yes. Unethical products aside, that's that's why I want to talk. It about changed it me as a person. It made me more confident. It made me, you know, I take things to it to my job I do now. I still carry those things with me. So back to what you were saying about confidence. So the two things were is that you saw sales. Like when you went out with people, it wasn't like you're going out with somebody and you're watching sales and you're watching them strike out nine times in a row because you're right. That would kill your confidence. You'd oh, be like, totally. what am I doing here? You went out with the guys that had near a 90% close, closing rate. I mean, these guys were, were not, like you said, they weren't getting no's in houses. And um, the other thing was the three the three C's of, of salesmen, if you're familiar with no, them. No, tell us. Confid- tell. Confidence, competence, and compassion. That was the thing they hammered home. So you have to have, in order to know this, you have to have confidence, right? If, if I'm selling to someone or if I'm leading someone is what they used to say. In, in your leaders, you have to have confidence that they know what they're doing. They can do the job competence that they'll be able to do it effectively and you have to have compassion you have to believe that the person that you're following or or working for whatever actually cares about your well-being and that's why i said that they made a distinction they never said things like oh fuck the client it's all about putting our money and they always said serve don't sell always come off compassionate interesting Always, always come off confident and always come off competent and those three things if you can manage those three things in a house you won't hear no because you know the main thing about sales when it doesn't matter what they tell you it doesn't matter if they tell you you know, they got to talk to their wife. They got to talk to whatever the saying is. They got to talk to the fucking tooth fairy. It doesn't matter. They don't trust you. They do not trust you. Either they don't trust that you're that they're not confident in you. 
they might think that you're not competent in what you're saying. Maybe their friend sells what the same thing you're trying to sell and they heard a totally different story and they think you don't know what you're talking about or they don't think you care about them. They don't think you have any compassion for their, they told you their story and you're just, dude, this guy doesn't care. He's just trying to push this crap on me. But if you could sell them on those three things, confidence, competence, and compassion, Confident. you'll always get a sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Confidence, competence, and compassion. I love it. What would what advice would you give for so here's the way it works for for any kind of any any kind of person who's doing any design services right it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they're an architect engineer they all it's all the same we will get for in my case a lot of people find us online we have some videos up and they already sort of get a peek inside the firm quote you know so to speak sure and and so a lot of times when I go like they will invite us there right so they've already we've already went through one screening process. What do you think? What do you think your success rate would be if you are if you've if they've already put you through this? Like, is there any excuse to not mm, secure that deal? I, I would say yes. I mean, there's always going to be there's never going to be 100 percent closing rate. Like they say, you have the 20 and 20 on each side. 20 percent of people will buy no matter what you say. 20 percent won't buy no matter what you say. It's that 80 percent or that 60 percent in the middle that you need to be as a good salesman to be able to push them to the S side. So there's always going to be people that yeah call you. And just think that what your what your services are are totally different in their head than what you actually show them. I mean, that's not really your fault, but you should be. I mean, if people are inviting you in and you're doing hot leads like that, that's gonna come down. I mean, I would say a very good majority on how you present it, how you present the ideas, how you sell them, how you sell yourself. That's that's very. I mean, you know, like you said, architecture is a design thing, but there is a business component that that should be embraced. There's got to be. There there is a business aspect to it that you need to embrace. As as a, you're selling something, right? You're either you're at least selling yourself. If I recorded myself in a couple sales meetings, could you critique them? Sure, if you wanted me to. That'd be totally interesting. Yeah, I'd, I, I'd be it really. I could actually be fascinating I, to I see. I can go back through. If you're very interested, I I have to keep this anonymous, but I I think I still have some old scripts of things to say and th- rebuttals. Things like that, old sales tactics. I mean, all, all sorts of stuff. I could look through it and see if I can find any. Yeah, that would be good. Would are the so were those? So could can anybody buy those? Are those like, no? Those were one hundred percent in house proprietary. They, the the That's main how they come two. There were two people that ran ran our area, and they were like I said, they were total opposite personalities, and they just fit perfectly together. And they were the two best salesmen I could I could ever think I, I think I probably ever met. Is what I would say. Yeah. And they came up with the scripts together and they were constantly, I mean, it, it, it wasn't uncommon to memorize a script and then the next week be like, yeah, throw that script out. We just, we did it. Cause they would just, they're constantly critiquing it. That's all they did in the office. They'd sit there and try to, you know, learn what they're, what we're hearing. Cause the higher ups would be sitting there telling them, Hey, this is what we heard in the house. We didn't get in because of this. We didn't get in because of that. All right, well, let's find a way to proactively. It was always proactively taking people's objections that you know, they're going to say and just putting them to rest. You know, if I sit there in a house with you and you're in, I know that you're going to tell me you can't afford it or you don't need it or whatever, you got to think about it. And then I, as I'm going through my presentation and showing you that, yes, you can afford it. Yes, you do need it. What, what are you going to do at the end of it? I'm going to show you. What are you going to sit there and tell me that you don't need it? You just, I just got you to admit you did. I could sit there and say, Hey man, if you were to die tomorrow, how do you, who's going to pay for this mortgage? You know, you got this beautiful house. It must've cost you a good note. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're up. We'd be screwed. What are you going to tell me at the end of it that you don't need what I'm selling? You just admit it. You're, you, you're not going to make yourself look like a fool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it was all about proactively handling the objections you knew you were going to hit. Yeah. And, so. and waiting for those no's. Yeah. And taking yeah. notes, taking note of them. Right. And just being able to like have it in your back pocket. Maybe that's the lesson that we learned here is so be aware of whatever no's you're going to get. And, and maybe just, maybe after you go after maybe like what I should start doing is keeping a notebook of here's the no's I got. Here's the, yeah. here's, here's the negative stuff. And then figuring out how to, how to have that in my back pocket. And cater, cater your, time. cater your product to the person you're selling to. Again, it doesn't have to be an unethical thing. Catering to someone is fulfilling their needs. You don't, 
as, as an architect or a designer, you don't want to sell to someone that to, that you're going to talk to and then look and be like, oh, well, I wanted to design this house for them, but it really sounds like they're going to hate that. You know, like that's, I wouldn't say equally as unethical, but that's something you wouldn't want to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I you think know, it's so a waste of You need money. to cater to them. So if I knew, if I was sitting there talking to somebody and they told me how much they make, one of the things was, is I would, perp- as they're talking, I'd be going to my laptop and I'd be changing the policy that I initially was going to sell them and I'd lower it down. I'd lower, I'm not going to, I'd rather get a sale and then get a referral from them than push this policy that obviously they can't afford, but it's a bigger, quote unquote, bigger commission check for me. Yeah. No. So yeah, I know you've got my head. You got me. Get the wheels turning up up top here, and I'm thinking maybe we should like Alex and I should curtail our sell book. So what we have is we have like a mock contract, and we'll show them. We'll show them. Here's how the process works. Here's what we offer. Here's what you. Here's what you're paying for. And here. Here's what we'll do. And here's what you'll sign on the dot. We don't do sales on the spot, right? Um, and, and so it's a little bit different in that respect. Like I. I we go back. We figure out what we're going to charge, and then we send them. Send them. Send them the contract and do a follow up and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, but man, maybe there should be like three different sales books, right? Yeah. To where they're curtailed. Is there, well, is there a certain reason you don't do sales on the spot? Um, it's a good question. It's a good question. So how about this? So your dad was in construction, right? Sure. And so one of the things I think that contract a lot of contractors do. So if you're in the real estate industry, is you you you're sort of I, I would call it like a bluff in a sense, where you're saying you don't want to show all your cards at once, and you're sort of doing the whole definitely, yeah. You know what I mean? Yes, Where you're saying, I like, I don't know what's going to cost. Well, let me think about it. Let me see what I can do. Let mm-hmm. me see what I can do. That sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, I've never got anybody sign right on the spot. Okay. And maybe you just well, don't push for it. I don't It was just, it was always the, the complete opposite in my industry. It was, it was, they had to buy right there because we would, we would just straight up lie to them and be like, I, I'm not allowed to come back to you. <laughs> listen, if you don't, if you don't, that's why I would tell people, one of the rebuttals I would say, listen, man, like, it always came back to putting them at ease, right? Trying to make them feel good about themselves. Um, and then being like, listen, I understand exactly what you're talking about. All right, if this doesn't make sense, let's get you. the key was to get you started. Now let's get you in. Here's a, here's another reason why. Yeah, so so I, w- I would like your take on this too. Here's another reason why is so a lot of times we'll go into I'll go into a sales meeting. <clears throat> let's say it's for a remodel, right? I won't know the extent of the remodel because at some time I've had people sometimes tell me like, oh, it's just a room, just a room. What does that mean? <laughs> does that mean you're gonna is it a thirty by thirty room or is it a bathroom? <laughs> yeah, is, are we remodeling a bathroom? Or are we are we popping the top on your house, taking the roof off, yeah. putting a hole, you know, something up there? So that's that's that that's part of it. So I, I'm not sure I could, you know, I've thought about like what if I could just have fill in the blank and I give them a number in the spot, yeah, like a template or something you could come up with. Yeah, I mean that seems. I mean we do have those digitally behind the scenes where like I will I will go in and fill stuff in and then add up the add up the numbers and everything. But I think that's the difference. I don't know. The high pressure of it kind of freaks me out of just doing on the spot sales like that. But why? I, Are you not confident what you're selling? Uh, no, I'm confident what I'm selling for sure. I'm, I'm inconfident in am I underselling it? Right. So should sure. I should I be should I just be going for the whole bottle of beer and selling the whole thing? You know, like let's say the contract is twenty five grand, going up to the top. You know what I would charge for a product like that. As opposed to ratcheting. Well, I don't, want to give, I don't want to give you bad advice, but one of the things that we used to do when we'd sell is we would show one of the big examples. was So when it, we get it someone new, right? We get someone that, and we would follow them around. Everyone always undersold. You'd see a policy and they'd, let's just say, for example, it's 60 bucks a month. And I look at them and I'd say, and the computer would always come up. You'd put their, because you'd have to ask them a bunch of questions to see if they qualify. One of them was to see how much money they make per month. And the computer would automatically tell you exactly what they should be paying. And it was usually like, it would always push for a high number. So, you know, 150 bucks a month for your insurance policy. 
And I'd watch these new people go in and without even ever showing them that policy, they go in and they lower it by half, like 65 bucks a month, 70 bucks. And I'd, I'd look at them and say, well, why'd you do that? Well, because 150 bucks seemed like a lot. Okay, to you, how do you know they don't think? And I would there purpose, that was the new thing I'd do. I'd show, you know, I'd ask them to, hey, can you give me a cup of water? And they'd, they'd walk away and I'd say, how much, how big of, I'd look at the person I'm training and say, how big of a policy do you want me to push? And they'd say, what, you can't, what, what do you mean? I'm like, pick a, pick a number. You want me to push 200, 250 a month? I'll do it. And they'd say, no, they'll never say no. How do you know that? And I would purposely, I'd turn around and I'd have a $200 a month policy on, and I'd show them and you'd watch people's faces. And sometimes people wouldn't, people wouldn't respond like you'd think. Some people would be like, oh, that's a good amount of coverage. Instead of free, oh, dude, I can't afford that. And, and people would see firsthand and be like, why are you underselling right off the rip? Let people tell you that they can't afford it. It was something that just came, came by. And, and that was another building confidence. People would, people would be more confident selling more like higher policies because they'd say, oh, well, yeah, I remember that one time you pushed a $200 policy. And, you know, so this one's only telling me 125. I, I could start there. And you could always lower it. You know, we'd always tell them if someone, when you did turn the, the laptop around and they'd see it and their eyes lit up like, whoa, you'd be like, all right, clearly. And I would just preemptively take it from them. Be like, whoa, this is the laptop. Obviously, we're not starting there. You know that. And I would just, you know, and they'd, oh, okay, oh, okay. I, I just want to make sure. And I'd be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you could, you, you know, you have to react in the moment. You have to But go, you would throw the blame on the laptop. Sure. Yeah. I would just say, listen, if this is if this makes you if you're comfortable with this, we can all do it. But this isn't what I was going to start you at. You would have to read their reaction. Mm-hmm. If they acted badly, I'd, oh no, no, I wasn't going to push. I was going to push you with this, and I'd have like two or three, you know, lined up. I'd have a two hundred dollar policy, a hundred twenty, and a, a fifty five dollar policy. I'd say, listen, at the very least, let's just start here. And I never asked them if they wanted it, and I never gave them a yes or no question. I would just say, hey, we're going to start you get get you enrolled here at the fifty five. If you want to bump it up later, that's fine. But I need to get you enrolled now because your health is good now, and for all you know, you're going to go out tomorrow and get sick, and you can't get this ever. And B, I, I can't come back. This was set up through a, a private thing, and I'm not allowed to come back here again. This yeah. is an enrollment period. Yeah, yeah. So it was always putting the pressure on back on them. Yeah, what a tricky dance. What a tricky dance. I like the idea of throwing the pressure back on them, though. And I'm, just, I'm just trying to think of like what I can glean from, from this conversation. You know, So maybe, maybe I like the deadline thing of, like, I can't come back here. Like, we have a week. It, that's a very I will tell you right now that is a very thin line you're you're you'd be treading because you 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 really don't want to come off dickish because yeah. then they're going to just put, be like fine screw you I'll find someone else yeah so it's it's a very fine way of doing it of of coming off just being like listen I, I want to do this for you but I need at least some type of confirmation today you know that that way we can keep our business going I can schedule you in you know I, I it's it's very hard to just be like yeah I can't come back because most people will be like why and if you don't have like a legit reason, they'll just be like, fuck you. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, sorry to swear, but <laughs> yeah, just the way it goes. All right. Well, cool, man. I mean, I think this is a, this is a super interesting conversation. I think our listeners will be, uh, it, it'll be a, like sort of a out of the, out of the nowhere sort of, sort of thing sure. that they've probably never heard before. Um, and can I, can I just say one more thing before we wrap this up? Yeah. I just want for anyone who's out there that maybe is getting into a sales gig or being pressured into it through friends, family, whatever it is. It's not just pyramid schemes and all that stuff. There's all sorts of sales gigs out there. And I want you to realize that one of the things that was I look back on and I regret was when you're when you walk into these situations, you can feel it in your heart and your gut that these things are bad. These you have a bad gut reaction and I wish I would have gone with that feeling right off the rip. So don't be afraid, you know, if your friends are pushing you, don't don't feel pressure. Don't don't, you know, it's your life. It's it's you're the one that's going to have to pay the consequences. So if you walk into a situation, you get a bad feeling, chances are a lot of times your first your first instinct is right. So if someone's pushing, you know, oh, we can make all this money or they're pushing cars or flashy things in front of you, but you have a bad feeling, don't be afraid to walk away. You know, you, you could waste a lot of time and a lot of things. You can lose a lot of things in your life just because you were afraid to succumb to the pressure. 
what positive thing? So that was a good. That was a good negative one. I feel like this is sort of the yin yang uh, podcast episode uh, inside the firm episode <laughs> sure, uh, sure. of sales. Right? There's the bad and the good. That's just life. That's the way it works. Right? There's chaos and there's order. What would you give? What, what is one positive thing you would? Uh, what is the best piece of advice you give anybody who's get wants to get into sales? I would recommend everyone get into sales personally. I at think least it for, helps in at life. At least don't for you one, think? it doesn't have to be a full time thing. It doesn't even have to be a long term thing. But getting into sales and seeing how you sell yourself, recognizing your your shortcomings in your own personality and tweaking that and you, and realizing that because no matter what if you want to get a job in an office being a, a, a tech person you have to sell yourself to that employer yeah you have to it never stops. and that is not a skill set that that you know is ever going to steer you wrong you know you could have there's plenty of good salesmen out there that are perfectly ethical don't think that you know a lot of it seems like there's a stigma nowadays with like kids coming out of college where it's like oh you're in sales you must be an awful person absolutely not you've been sold on things your whole life the car you bought the house you're going to buy everything your college education was sold to you you know, and that by those, a culture at this yeah. point. Yeah. Well, I mean, even the the person you sat down with, your your guidance counselor, or whatever, they're going to sell you on stuff. Right. They're going to sell. I mean, it's sales is a part of life, and and learning the ins and outs of it, seeing it, being on the other side of that sale, is very helpful. It's I would recommend even if it's just for a little bit, get into sales. Give it a, give it at least give it a shot. But make sure you're doing something ethical. Don't don't fall for these. <laughs> don't fall for this crap. You know, your your gut. Don't betray your gut. Don't you don't betray your, your you know that feeling you have. You're usually right. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on, buddy. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate, appreciate it. it. Yeah.